Welcome to the teaching ministry of Faith Bible Church. We pray as you listen to the following message, you will be encouraged and equipped to passionately pursue Christ. For more information, please visit our website at fbcevansville.com. All right, so Roland Bingham uh, was in um, an Af- a missionary to Africa. He lived from 1872 to 1942. Um, he was the founder of the Sudan Interior Mission. Um, he had a wife named Helen and two daughters, Grace Winifred and, and Mary Ann. I'm going to go back to the first slide here. You can see where I uh, kind of outlined where um, his heart was for. Um, over in the eastern part of Africa there. But before we get there, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the early years of Roland. Um, He was one of eight children in the Bingham family. Um, There were seven boys and one girl. At 13 years of age, um, his father actually played a um, huge role in eventually his leading up to his salvation. Uh, He was in school one day. And he got called to the headmaster's office, and he thought, what did I do wrong? I mean, how many of us have been called to the principal's office? I mean, I know I was when I was younger. Maybe not for good things, maybe not for bad things. I'm not going to go into that right now. But, um, but no, he, so he gets called to the headmaster's office, and the headmaster says, Roland, you need to get home fast. Your father's dying. He couldn't believe it because his father was healthy. He'd never had any kind of um, serious medical issues and so he takes off, jumps the wall uh, of the school, doesn't even go out like the gates, jumps the wall because it was faster to cut through the alleys and streets there. And then when he does, he gets home and everybody's there waiting for him. And, and his father wants to tell them something. How his father was sick was because he had actually taken a vaccine for smallpox. And in that time, the smallpox vaccine it could have, have adverse effects and end up weakening your immune system rather than weakening and then, you know, making you better and immune to the smallpox. For his father, he was one of the few that actually got smallpox and, and died of it from the vaccine. Um, he also, uh, when he was in the bed with the children there around him and, and family, the, um, he looked at all of them and said, please promise me that I'll see you in heaven. He knew this was his end. All the children could see how weak and frail he was. Um, But they wanted, they all stood there one by one saying, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. Roland had no clue how he could promise this, but he did. He he promised his father, said, "I, I will see you in heaven. And so this always was in the back of his mind. How am I going to do this? How am I going to appease my father? How am I going to see my father again? Um, And so they all promised, Rowan promised. Um, And then after um, his father passes, some dreadful news comes to his mom. His dad was a very... um, I mean, he was well off. The family was, had, had a good name. He owned um, uh, some lumber and sawmill um, places. And unfortunately, his father made a legal mistake in the will. And when the lawyer comes to talk to his mom, he tells her that this has to go into a trust for 21 years. All the money that would be left to the family was tied up for 21 years. And this makes the family have to basically fend for themselves. Um, 
His, his mom had to actually get a job. Um, Roland was 13 years old at the time at this happening. And he, f- he figured out real quick that he had to grow up real fast. Um, thankfully, he had been in school for 10 years already. So he had been in school since the age of three. Um, his older brother went when he was five, and Roland threw such a stink about it that they decided to put him in school at the same time just so that way um, they wouldn't have to deal with him throwing a stink every day whenever his brother was at school. So brother had been, his, or his brother was in school. Um, he was in school for 10 years, and he decided that it was enough schooling for me. I need to help provide for my family. So he quit school at the age of 13. Um, and then he ended up searching for a student teacher job, and he found one in Tunbridge, um, a small town not too far from where they lived. Um, and in the same area, his mother also followed and opened a shop there. He found out that um, student teaching was very demanding. Um, student teaching, he had to get up early in the morning, 7 a.m., Um, and then he had to listen to an hour-long lecture from the headmaster every morning. Then he had to go to prayer and Bible study with with a bunch of the clergymen um, at the school there that he was teaching at. Then he had to teach throughout the day. Once school was over, he had to grade papers, and then after that, he had to study for two to three hours to know what he was teaching the next day. So he found that it was really, really demanding on him, but... Um, it was how he was going to pr- help provide for his family back home. Sounds like teachers today. Yes. <laughs> he just, at 13 years old, didn't expect it to be that way. He didn't think his teachers did that much. So, <laughs> so um, actually, so at the beginning, when he was when he's in class and he got called to the headmaster's office, um, in the book I read, it said that he was basically doodling is what he was doing in Latin class, not paying attention. Um, he was a good student, but he also, he was 13 years old. So, I mean, how many of us have had 13-year-olds or have a 13-year-old? Yeah, they, they don't, their minds don't wander at all, right? Right, guys? You two back there, the kitchens? <laughs> Your minds don't wander at all in class, right? <laughs> but no, so, um, other things about Roland, he was actually at 13, 14 years old, still afraid of the dark. He had been teaching uh, there for a little while, and the headmaster told him, hey, I left the books, um, the song books, in the church, um, the chapel. Can you go get them for me? Roland tried to do everything he could to get out of it, said, well, they don't really need them, right? Or, or we can get them tomorrow. Or, Well, the headmaster was like, no, I said go get them. Let's go get them now. Well, Roland was also... Um, not just afraid of the dark, he was afraid of being alone, especially when he had to cross through like a graveyard. Um, and also in this area uh, where he had to go, the, there was also known as for having a, um, um, uh, I do believe it was a poker game or something similar to that, and, and, or some gambling. And when uh, it, the legend or says is that someone got upset because someone was cheating, there was too, a lot of drinking going on, and someone got stabbed and died, and then every night you can hear the chains of that person haunting that area. So Roland, being 13, 14 years old, is like, I don't want to go there. One, I don't like the dark. Two, I don't like being 
um, by myself. And three, I don't want something, to, I don't know if that's real or not. Um, so he ends up going, he faces his fear, he gets to the, to the chapel, um, and he hears the chains. And then all of a sudden, he's just like turning white. And well, when he does, he ends up um, realizing that it's not a ghost, but it's the bell ringing in the, uh, in the chapel. It's nine o'clock, and so he hears the, the bell swinging and the chain from it, the rope from it. And so he hurry and grabs it just in case. And plus, he's also, he doesn't like the dark. He grabs the stuff, brings it back to the headmaster. And the headmaster says, thank you. And he basically just says, you're welcome, and jets out of there. So he faced his fears. And we're going to see that not only does he have a fear in that, but he also has a fear when it comes to people. Um, he didn't want the headmaster to know that he was afraid of these things. And he, did, he, didn't want, he doesn't like eyes on him um, when he's at this young age. But when he becomes a believer, all of this changes. We see, we see a completely different Roland, but we'll get there here in a few minutes. Um, so in, in seeing that, that he faced his fears, um, he also was when he was teaching at this school, the school wasn't necessarily affiliated with the Church of England. The Church of England was the national church at that time, and he did not want to go to the Church of England. Um, His his grandfather uh, in the past had not gone, and so he was considered a dissenter um, of the Church of England. And so Roland thought, no one should be able to tell me what to do where I worship. I should have this freedom. And so Roland um, goes to a small Methodist church. And, and when, he, when he does, he finds, out, or he finds out real fast that the Church of England has been keeping eyes on him. The new um, Church of England minister had been keeping eyes on him and others to see if they were actually faithful to the, to the Church of England and not somewhere else. And the Church of England minister confronts him, the head minister there confronts him and, and tells him, you need to be going to the Church of England. And, and Roland says, no, I, I, I don't want to do that. And he's like, well, this is what everyone else does. This is what you should do. And Roland with, um, doesn't want to, but he says, okay. Well, he still was convicted by it. He still had this urge in his heart to be able to follow what he felt God was teaching him and where he was wanting to learn. So he ends up going to his mother. And he tells his mother what happened. And his mother says, Roland, you have to be true to your principles. You have to stick to what is your convictions and what you want to do. So in doing so, if you do this, if you stick to this, you're going to have to give a three-month, I mean, instead of a two-weeks notice, he had to give a three-months notice um, to leave, the, to leave the, the school. So Roland does this. He, um, he follows his mother's advice, and he gives a three-months notice. And so he's staying true to his principles. And as he does this, it's, it's coming near to uh, the end of his... Um, his time there at, at the school of being a student teacher. And the, um, the Salvation Army comes into town. 
Um, it's around Good Friday, and they start making a stir about a funeral or a promotion to glory. And this is where um, Roland starts getting his first taste of, um, I would say, the Holy Spirit moving in his heart. Um, Roland becomes very interested. He, they start... People are proclaiming the gospel on the streets. There's, there's these meetings that they're having. Um, and so he, he, he knew that there was a meeting in the, in the evening. So he went, and he's hearing people give their testimonies that um, they're not of higher up necessarily. They're not of wealth or anything like that. They're just common people giving their testimonies of how Christ has changed their life, how their hearts have been softened um, and rolling basically thought, I am learning more here in the two to three hours and feel like I've learned more about Jesus here than I did in all the years I sat in the pews at the church. So Roland's heart starts stirring. He starts um, becoming very interested. Um, He starts thinking about Nicodemus, when Jesus was interacting with Nicodemus and Jesus telling him, you must be born again, and he's hearing all these people say the same thing, you must be born again, and he's like, I don't, this is how he relates to Nicodemus, he's like, how am I, how do I get born again? I really want this, I really want to know Jesus more and have that personal uh, relationship like these people say they do, but I don't understand how. So Roland goes home, he tells his mother what happened, and his mother does not approve of the Salvation Army because of its association and the people that it associates to. Uh, they, she, she said that, Roland, you know, there's drunkards, there's liars, there's filthy people that they associate to, and they prey on the weak, and they prey on the low. That, um, and so I, I don't think you should be associated to that. Um, He's, she also says, the Bingham name is still a good name. We may have to work hard, harder than what we had before, but the Bingham name is a good name, so please don't ruin it, essentially is what she said. Roland still goes to another meeting against his mother. So he follows his mother's advice eventually, at one point, but then he goes against it because he's following his own principles, right? He's still following her words even though she doesn't like what he's doing. So Roland then goes to another meeting, and as he's at this meeting, he's getting this stirring, and he wants, to, he wants to go forward. There's an altar call at the end, and he wants to go forward so badly, but he's got that fear of people. He's got a weakness in his knees, a knot in his gut. He's afraid of people seeing him go forward. He's afraid of the people that go into his mother's shop, seeing him go forward, and then what are they going to think of him being associated to the Salvation Army? If they tell his mother, what is she going to think? If she, you know, she doesn't really know if he's there or not right now. And so Roland grabs his jacket and, and dashes out. He leaves. But he goes home and says, you know what? I had this stirring in my heart. The next time I get a chance, I am going to ask Jesus into my heart the next time I get a chance. So when I'm reading this, I'm like, Roland, your chance is right now, you know? But to, to a, he's like 14, 15 years old at this time. He's, um, he's starting to not, he doesn't understand yet that you can ask Christ into your heart at any time. But God working the way he does gives him another 
opportunity. He gets invited by his cousin to go home, uh, where he's from. He grew up for the first two years and visit. And then his cousin tells him about how they know Jesus and that they were going to these Salvation Army meetings. And so Roland goes. He goes to the meeting. And this time, there is no stirring in his heart. <laughs> it's like he's not like as emotional, as excited. He, he, it's more calming, more peace. He's, he's a little leery of it because he's like, I thought I was going to have the same kind of emotion the next time I went. And that's why I want, want Jesus but he, he, he's hearing a Jewish man tell his testimony um, of how he came to Christ. And so at the end, he decides, I'm going to go forward. I'm going to go, and I'm, go- I'm going to be um, there with, um, I'm be there with uh, the people, and I'm going to ask Christ into my heart. I'm going to pray with this Jewish man, have him pray for me. And he says a prayer, um, and he ends up being able to do this being able to ask Jesus into his heart. Now, he was calm, like I said. He, was, he didn't have this going on in his, in his heart where he was like all nervous. But then he goes home, and now the first mission field starts, his family. He wants them to know the gospel. He wants to teach them the truth. So he gets up in the morning, and he's, gonna, he's prepared in his mind, I'm going to go, I'm going to read my Bible at the table, no matter what anybody says, and they're going to hear the word of God. Things don't go the way he planned because his mother's not feeling well. Um, all the kids are down, uh, downstairs. Mom's not making any food. So he ends up making um, something for his mom, takes it upstairs, and he wants to share the Bible with her. And he's pacing back and forth, back and forth. He finally says, Mom, i got to read some scripture to you. So he starts to read a verse in John and she doesn't stop him, so he goes and reads the whole chapter that he was reading in John to her. And then he goes and runs out of the room. <laughs> so then the next day, he's like, okay, I'm going to do this. I am going to share the gospel with everybody. I'm going to read my Bible no matter what. And so he goes downstairs, and he gets this fear of people because it's his family especially that he's trying to share the gospel with. And how many times have we been in front of our family, and that's one of the hardest people set of people to, to witness to because you just don't want them to think differently of you maybe or um, you know that it, it could cause some tension. But Roland, what he ends up doing, instead of being at the table, he goes to the doorway and he starts reading real loud the Bible. And his family is just kind of looking at him and like, what are you? And they start chuckling. And they're like, what are you doing? But they just let him be. They let Roland be. So then uh, Roland goes, and um, the, n- the next day or, or so, that he continues to do this day after day, and he's not actually at the table. But then they have a family friend that comes, and she's sitting at the table, and she hears Roland doing this in the hallway, and, and in the doorway. And, and she looks at the children, like the stare, like, why aren't you listening to this? And the, um, later on that evening... Roland and, and this lady are in the living room, and she says, Roland, do you really believe what you were, what you were saying and reading there? And he, he's like, yes, ma'am, I, I truly do. She says, well, then how can God save me? And so right there, even though you know, he was trying to reach his family, God used him to reach this woman in their home. And so Roland tells her, shares the gospel with her. She accepts Christ into her heart there. He, she accepts Christ as her Lord and Savior.
So Roland then feels a conviction about selling tobacco in his mother's store. So he'd been working in his mom's store towards the end of his um, three months there and um, part-time helping out and everything. And um, he doesn't want to sell tobacco to these people that he had been sharing with that were going to these Salvation Army meetings because these are the addictions that he's trying to help them break. But they're not... But it, it seems hypocritical if he sells this stuff to them. And his mother doesn't like it because his mother like, is saying, you know, this is one of our biggest sellers. This is how we make money. If I don't have this, we don't, we don't pay the bills. We don't have food on our table. Um, and so Roland, um, in and all this, Roland is actually out on the streets. He's actually preaching the gospel now because he's got this confidence of how God can use him, how Christ has used him. And he's on the streets. Um, he's got an auto harp that he loves to play. And he... Um, if someone comes up and asks what he's playing, he uses it as, a, as an instrument to be able to reach the lost. And so he has this conviction that these people that he's been witnessing on the street corner at these meetings, he, he, he can't do it anymore. And so basically he tells his mother, at 16 years old, I want, he can't, he can't break her heart and say, it's because of you I'm leaving um, and what you stand for. He, but he says, I want to go to the mission field. So I'm going to go to Canada for, for that training. And so when he goes on, onto the mission field, he heads over to Canada at 16 years old by himself. So remember, he's got, he had this fear of being lonely too. And so he's going on his own and he's starting to preach on the ship. And the ship is swaying and rolling adjust to the so he doesn't get seasick, but when he's on there, the waves are crashing against the boat so loud, he's got to yell at the top of his lungs. And when he does preach, he's yelling so loud that there's a man that's ill in, in one of the quarters below can hear him preaching. And the man tells him when he comes back from his illness and is feeling better, says, thank you for preaching the word of God. That's exactly what I needed. And so we see Rowan being used for just a random stranger there um, on that ship. And then he gets to, the, uh, he gets to Canada. He doesn't know what he's going to do. He doesn't really have um, a job or anything like that. And so he ends up getting a job on a farm, as a farmhand, um, about nine miles from where he, where he was staying um, in um, in Halifax, and so nine miles every Sunday, that means he had, to walk, he had to walk from there to the church he wanted to go to and back that day. Um, and then when he, when he wasn't um, working, he was preaching on the streets again, like he was back home. He was teaching on the streets, and when he was teaching on the streets, um, preaching on the streets, in front of the crowds, um, John um, Salmons or Salmons um, notices him. And he sees his, um, what he's doing, and he asks Roland, do you have any formal training, or do you ever want formal training? And Roland says, well, I'd love it, but no, I don't have it. He says, well, um, yeah, and, and Roland still is a little hesitant because he doesn't know this guy. He said, I'd love it, but I, I'll, I'll try and find some. He says, okay, when you do, come find me. Later on, uh, John sees him again preaching uh, a few months down the road, and he, he 
goes to, or Roland notices him in the back of the crowd. And so after he's done teaching, Roland goes to him and he, sa- and he says, hey, I still haven't found any formal training or teaching. Can you teach me? And John says, yes, I will teach you if you come live with me and my family and you be my pastoral assistant. And so Roland goes to be his pastoral assistant. Um, uh, and uh, in, in doing so, he starts to be able to, he, he, one Sunday, sorry, one Sunday after he's there, he meets Mrs. Gowan. Mrs. Gowan says, Roland, um, I heard your testimony today and I want you to come over for lunch tomorrow. So Roland says, okay, I'll come. I'd love to have lunch with you. And whenever he does, he goes and meets with her. And when he meets with her, she is um, telling him about her son, uh, Walter, and how he is, in, he is going to a place where no missionaries are. There are no missionaries in this dark place, but Walter has a heart for them, and it's in the Sudan, in Africa. And she asked him that day, on the spot, would you be willing to go and serve with my son. Doesn't know this family, doesn't know Walter, but he starts having a conviction set in and he starts having just this heart for the Sudan after she tells him all the stories about the, the people there and, and, and what they're like and everything, and he wants to do this. So he ends up packing up his bag shortly after that, um, but before he does, he realizes, I don't really have any money. <laughs> So how am I going to do this? So he wants to go to New York so that way he can go from New York and then um, to Liverpool and then from Liverpool down to Lagos, West Africa. But he doesn't have the money for this trip. But he remembers that there was a person in his church that told him, if you ever go into the mission field, come find me. I will help support you. So he goes to this man and he tells the man... um, what he's doing, and the man goes, well, Roland, I hate to say this, but a guy just came to me not too long ago, and I gave him money for the mission field. I feel bad, but I have $125. I can give you that. That's all I have in my bank account, and I'm still willing to give you that. So Roland contemplated. He didn't really want to take this man's last dime, but the man was so willing that Roland allowed um, him to, they went to the bank, withdrew the money, and Roland took that to be able to go on his trip, and he heads to New York. And when he heads to New York, he ends up meeting Tom Kent. Tom Kent's just a random guy there, but Tom's got a heart for the Sudan too, and partly because he knows Walter. So random meeting in New York, he meets Tom Kent, who went to Bible college with Walter, uh, with Walter Goins here, or get, yeah, um, that he's going to meet over there. And so he helps Tom settle up all his affairs, and two weeks later, they take off um, to New York, from New York to England, or yeah, to Liverpool, England there, um, and then they go from there uh, to Lagos, West Africa. And Walter is there also uh, um, with them. And so they get there, and they're learning the customs there. They find a, um, the guy that owned the ship that they sailed on also had a place for them to stay. 
So things are lining up. They're excited. Walter is telling them, you know, when we go into the Sudan, we're going to start this mission field, and we're going to call it the Sudan Interior Mission, or SIM for short. Unfortunately, when, when you know, you're, you're, you've got such high expectations, sometimes you're not thinking um, about the negative that could happen. Sometimes you're thinking about a positive that could only happen. And so when they're there, they're preparing, they're meeting with people, they're getting all these people to help them go into the country, in, into the Sudan there, and the superintendent of the Methodist mission says, hey, I want to meet with you guys. They're like, awesome, we want to meet another missionary. We want to know what's going on. He looks at them and says, when they're eating lunch, you will never see the Sudan. He said, there's so many missionaries that have tried. They either die of illness, they die of being attacked as enemies, or they leave because they can't handle it anymore. So Roland Roland, um, doesn't, doesn't, the three of them are like, no, we're going to do this. We're, 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 we, we can do this. But Roland comes down with malaria. Roland comes down with malaria. They are in Lagos, West Africa. Yep. They're in Lagos, West Africa. And before they're about to go in, into the Sudan, so they start trekking in. Roland comes down with malaria. And um, Walter and Tom have to nurse him back to health. So after a few after weeks, Roland gets healthy, but not healthy enough to go on the way. They decide we're going to send two guys in. One person needs to stand, stay back just in case we, we need to send back for help or supplies or something like that. So Roland volunteers, knowing that he's the weakest of the two right now, or of the three, that he'll stay um, back. So Tom and Walter start to travel in. Roland stays behind, but as weeks go by, Roland ends up getting a, a job as a bookkeeper part-time there. He finds, um, he, he, he starts realizing that, you know, I could probably go in just a few, by a few days and be able to get back in case they need help or anything like that. So he decides to get um, several people to help carry his stuff in. Um, he gets a Christian interpreter, and he goes to Iowa. Um, and, and he's there. He, this Iowa is no more than a four days journey. And so he goes there. And when he does, um, he knows that he needs, the interpreter tells him, you need to go in, you need to talk to the king and see if he will allow you to share the gospel. So Roland goes in. Um, he meets with the king. And the king tells him, I'll make a decision tomorrow. And then I'll let you know if you can. So they head back out of the city. They go into and set up camp. And um, two men come um, from, the, from the town that were there with the king's people and um, asked why, why he was there. And he, and he told them, you know, I, I'm, I'm here because I want you guys to know God. And these people are like, well... Um, can you set us free? They're actually slaves. And can you set us free? 
And he's, and he's like, uh, what do you mean? And he's like, well, we're slaves. This is through the interpreter. We're slaves. Anytime we know that uh, they called him peeled skin for white men because they thought that the white people peeled the blackness off of their skin. Um, and so they would call them peeled skin people is what they, what they would say. Um, anytime a peeled skin person came in uh, we, or, or we, we've heard of them, that we know that people were set free from slavery. And so, uh, at least under their, their thought process. And so, Roland says, unfortunately, I can't do that. Um, I, I'm going to meet with your king tomorrow, and then uh, we'll, we'll, we might be able to talk later about stuff. And so, he goes in the next day, and Roland sees his, um, the king, and the king says, no. You cannot share your gospel here. You, you have to leave the town now. And in doing so, when he sees the, when his king says no, Roland's leaving, and there's a man that comes to him and just starts screaming in his face, spitting in his face, and Roland's just keeping calm. And he said, and and uh, the people there, uh, when the guy lunges at him and, and raises his hand, the people there kind of actually step back, and so. Um, they leave, and on the way back, he's asking, what was that all about? Or the interpreter said, do you know what that was about? And Roland's like, no. He said, that was the man that was the head of the mosque. And he had plotted to, when he lunged at you, the crowd would stone you and kill you. But the crowd would not do that because they felt like magic was holding them back, is what they said. It was, it, it, Roland took it as if he was being protected like Daniel in the lion's den. Um, and even the people split and let Roland just go through without trying to attack him whenever they were leaving. Well, Roland gets back. Tom comes back. Tom is sick uh, with uh, malaria, so Roland has to nurse him for a few weeks. He gets healthy. He goes back um, on to meet with Walter, and a few weeks later he finds out that Tom gets malaria again when he's out and dies. And so then from there, um, he's, a little, he's disheartened, obviously, but he's hoping that Walter's okay. And then he gets word later from Walter's guide that Walter has also died um, in Gertu. And so Roland has to make a decision. Do I go on my own or do I go back home? And uh, unfortunately, um, he decides um, because his faith is rocked right now because he doesn't understand why God would let this happen but he ends up going back home to North America. Um, Roland decides that because he was there and he got sick and his friends got sick, he needed to know basic medical um, training. So he went down to Cleveland, um, Ohio there and got um, basic medical training. He went back to Canada, travels down to Cleveland, gets this training, goes, uh, then he ends up going over to New York and goes to Bible college where Tom and Walter were, and the people, the teachers there, the professors know of these men and what happened to them in the sedan. Um, he also, uh, once he gets out of Bible college, he ends up marrying, so the guy that paid the $125 out of his bank account, he marries his daughter. <laughs> so, um, and she is a seamstress, so she is able to make their clothes. They didn't have a lot of money to their name. Um, but it's, it's amazing whenever, you, whenever I read about him that God always provided for them. Um, there was one point where they, they had had um, 
um, the first baby, Grace, and um, they had milk um, and, and they had butter. That's all they had. And the milk obviously was going to be for the baby. The butter they had no clue what to do with. So the, um, she goes to the, the house that they're staying in after they get married. Um, the house that they're staying in, that she goes to the um, grocery store because the grocery store owner is the one that owns the apartment they're in. And um, they, don't, they don't have anywhere to store their stuff, so he allows them to store their food and milk and everything in the, uh, or their, I should say their butter and milk in the fridge in there in the store. And when she goes, he, the store owner says, hey, I just had a bunch of bread come in, and I need someone to taste and try this and sample it. And so she's thrilled because she runs back home, tells Roland, look what I've got. God's provided again. So God is always providing them. Even when they're down to living off of $10 a month, God's providing um, he becomes a pastor of a Baptist church in, in Newburgh, New York. Um, uh, and he's married, and like I said, he married Helen. Um, John, what, Solomon, Salmon was the one that actually um, performed the service. They, moved, they both moved down to New York. Um, and like I said, God is always providing. And he still has the stirring up of being able to go back to Africa and going to the Sudan. And so he starts up the Sudan Interior Mission. He starts meeting with churches. He starts meeting uh, with people. Um, he actually went to Kansas to help start this, um, to try and raise some money for himself to be able to live off of, but also for the, um, the mission there. And, and the people there, and almost anywhere he went, they knew about Africa, and they knew what happened to the missionaries there, so they didn't want to have anything they didn't want to be a part of it. Um, when he goes to Kansas, they had already actually sent missionaries there that had died, um, this church that he went to and, and where he spoke at. Um, but he had softened their hearts with his words, and actually it was God softening their hearts to be able to help um, give some money towards him and towards this. And then he continues to meet more and more people. Um, and as he's speaking and going to conferences, speaking at churches, trying to raise money for this, for this, for Sim, um, two men become interested in, in, in being missionaries to the Sudan. And so he had prayed for, to have two more men to go. And these two men are James Moline and Peter Taylor. And he sent two men to Tripoli first this time, so that way they could kind of learn the house of language, they could learn um, about the African culture, um, they could be affiliated more, and that way when they go, it's easier to learn and, and interact with, with the people there. And so, so it takes six years for Roland to get back, and all three of them go to Lagos. And so Roland's like 26 years old at this time, and Roland again gets malaria when he's there. So he goes and he says, you know, I'm going to stay back. You guys go into the Sudan. They say, yes, we'll do it, we'll do it, we'll do it. He's like, and actually, I don't, I, I, I think I need to actually go back home. And they said, but we'll still, we'll still follow through. He finds out when he gets back to Canada that they didn't follow through. They left shortly after he did. Um, and so he He's frustrated, um, he's, but yet he knows that God has a plan for Sim, and he continues to raise more uh, money for it. He continues to meet uh, with people, and then more missionaries 
um, start or more people are interested in being missionaries. 1903, six more missionaries are sent out um, so that way they can make their way into the Sudan. Um, he does the same thing with them. He tr- gets them trained in, uh, in Tripoli and, and other areas. Um, they do have some favor with, with, with Britain because of some of those, men, those missionaries. Um, and, and Britain at the time was starting to take over this area um, that they were wanting to go into. Um, but the only thing is, is they can only deal with the southern part and go in there because um, when they tried to go into the, when they wanted to go into the northern part, it was more um, Muslim and they did, the British didn't decide to really want to break up the Muslim slave trade there and everything and, and, and they didn't want to um, cause any issues. So they stayed uh, and allowed them to continue to enter into the southern part of, of the Sudan. At this time also, um, they, once those, those missionaries had gone, they set up the first um, post, uh, Sudan Interior Mission Post, in, in Patigi. Also at the time, Roland takes over a newspaper and uses it to get the message out about SIM and about what missions is all about um, and for the missionaries in Sudan and what, what they're doing. Um, they become, uh, it's the faithful witness is what it's called, and becomes the evangelical Christian. He also meets a, a man named Andrew Sturrett, who's a pharmacist who wants to be a missionary, but um, Roland, when he gets his application, realizes he's 37 years old, and being at 37 years old, um, the board for, for uh, SIM and many missionary boards thinks that that's too old. It's easier, to, uh, uh, as you're getting up in age apparently, uh, to contract illnesses, not be able to get uh, where you need to go. I don't believe it. I'm 39 years old and I feel like I'm 15, but uh, no. But um, So he decides, you know what, I'm going to send this guy anyway for training. So he sends him for training, um, and he, um, then he sends him to uh, the Sudan to meet with the rest of the people, and he, and he asks, how's he doing, how's he doing? Uh, and, he, and they say he's, he's actually got more energy than us. <laughs> he's, he is, he's got more of a heart than we've seen anybody for the mission field. And, so, uh, and with his medical knowledge and his, and, and his pharmaceutical knowledge, it, it helps to be able to, uh, with them, with the people in, in the villages. The uh, SIM continues to expand their posts, um, but unfortunately, when World War, War, World War I comes, um, when they are sending more missionaries over, uh, and Roland wants to go back to Africa, um, they have to go different routes because some of the missionary boats are being, or just boats in general, are being sunk by the Germans, by their torpedoes. And so instead of going across and through to Liverpool, they have to actually go up around Scotland um, uh, so that, or, or Ireland, I'm sorry, to Glasgow and um, take a, a longer route to be able to get where they need to go, so that way, but it's so that way they're they're safe from from the Germans. Roland does get back to Africa again, and he brings six more missionaries with him. Um, he th- at this time he he wants to be able to visit all the posts that they've started, and so he goes into Egbe, 
Um, and at that time, they had only one Christian in the, to- in the tribe. It was a man named Danny. And Danny um, had, was a slave and got away and went to the, to the, to the west uh, and uh, ended up, be, this is where he learned about Christ and became a believer, and he, he wanted to go back and share Christ with his people. And so he does, and four others are converted. Uh, and then when uh, they, they are sharing with people, they really want to miss, missionaries there, and Sim had been wanting to send missionaries to the same place. And so he ends up sharing, uh, they end up getting together, working together, and then at this time, when Roland gets there, um, most of the people in Egby had become believers. The women wanted a, a woman missionary to come and teach them. They called her, they asked if they had any white sis- sisters. Um, the reason being is because the men could do all they could to teach them, you know, but they needed a woman's touch. They needed a woman to help them with, um, to, to just give them assurance and guidance um, on just the way that a, a woman should, should, should be when it comes biblically and in life. Um, a lot of these women were, if they had twins, the witch doctor would come and take the babies and kill them because they felt like twins was an omen. Um, 85% of the babies died within, a, within the first year after being born, partly because of the fact that they felt they thought that um, if they breastfed the baby, it would, it would uh, uh, before nine days, um, it would die. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, they couldn't breastfeed because they couldn't do it until nine days after the baby was born. And so in doing that, they gave them like rags to suck on of water, which wasn't good, and so the babies would die of like dysentery and stuff like that. Um, so they needed a woman there to help them. And, and one of the missionaries that was in Egby, actually, his wife was being trained over in Tripoli, and would be, they would be married soon, and so God was answering that prayer there. Roland heads to the other sim posts and, and, and meets with the missionaries there, meets with the people. He's, he's delighted with what's going on, um, but he also finds out that there's another area about 250 miles um, uh, away that hasn't been reached yet of the Tanjail people. Um, they were known for killing enemies on the spot and burying them, and they would mark their, where they buried the skulls with a stone. And so as these guys were getting closer, Roland and some other missionaries and, and the people that were, the natives that were with them started getting there closer, they found that uh, more stones along the road. And so it was kind of freaking them out a little bit. The two missionaries that were with them end up getting dysentery um, because when they're stopped, stopped in this village, there's a watering hole, but um, it, it had been so dry there that the watering hole, there was only one watering hole. So not only did the people drink out of it, the animals drank out of it, and it was very low. Um, and so he couldn't give them that water. And so he, he had to take them to um, a farther away. So he knows the river is not too far away. So he drags them there with, with, the, with the people that he had with them, the natives that he had with them, and even though they don't want to. Um, because when you get closer to the river, you get closer to mosquitoes. And they had figured out the mosquitoes had carried the malaria. And so then, you know, you know do you, are, you, are you setting yourself up to even die of malaria rather than dysentery now? Well... He gets to the river, he, figure, he finds, you know, 
this is probably going to be cleaner water, so he, he, that's how he gets them um, better, by giving them that water and whatever food he had and just helping provide for them, and those missionaries end up, end up being, uh, getting better. They ended up meeting with the Tanjale people without any issue, he received, and, but as they're leaving, he also receives a letter a little too late that says, hey, don't go here, these people will kill you. But when they were in the Tangel, um, with those people, they were able to meet with them, able to talk with them, tell them they were doing without any issue. God provided there um, and safety there. Um, in 1915, Roland heads back to Canada. He had seen um, this boat called the Lustania um, previously when he was in Liverpool. Um, come to find out, when he gets back, um, he finds out his sister has died on the Lustania. The Germans had shot that boat down um, when she was going. She had moved to be with Roland and his wife to kind of get a feel for what Sim was and help with the books and stuff. When she went to get her mother back in England, um, this is where the, it was shot down. Two of Roland's brothers died in World, in World War I also, so he was having a hard time. Uh, Roland's mother came to Canada for a while. She ended up making it over there, but she ended up dying too shortly after when Roland got back. So a lot is happening, um, but he, he still perseveres. He's still meeting with people. He's still doing uh, what God has called him to do, and, and he's being faithful because God is definitely being faithful to him. When he, he remembers when he was in Africa, the missionaries there wanted him to um, start a school for missionary children. So he found a big home in Ontario on a lake, um, and he called it the Gowan's Home for Missionary People, naming it after Mrs. Gowan and her son Walter um, and so, for missionary children. So um, the children of the missionaries, they had at least 20 kids to start off that could get schooling and not have to be in Africa. It was safer in Canada, obviously, than it was in Africa. And I'll finish up here just kind of talking about Roland again. He also travels the world. He, he, he is um, getting letters from people in Australia and New Zealand that are hearing about Sim and what they're doing in Africa. So he ends up saying he's going to go there. And in doing so, he finds out that a ticket for around the world is cheaper than a there and back ticket. So he ends up doing that. And then he has people approach him at these conferences that he's raising money to be able to go. Um, and when he does purchase, uh, or when he does meet with these people, they ask him to stop in India and Palestine and Egypt, and, the, and, his, and they paid for his stops. Roland was always being provided for. And the thing about him also when it came to Sim, he never touched the money in, for Sim. That always went towards the missionaries. He always asked God to provide for him so that way he didn't have to touch that money and those missionaries could be taken care of. Um, and, and, and he did, and God did provide for him. Um, Roland also hears about Ethiopia. I'll, I'll be, I'm going to be finishing up here, but Roland also hears about Ethiopia and the need there. Um, he wants to go to Ethiopia, so he ends up going back to um, Africa and later in age, and... Um, Dr. Tom Lambie um, agrees to go with him and send missionaries to Ethiopia with him. When they get there, he goes to all the different um, posts that are there in, uh, that they've set up in Africa. 
Um, there's 165 mission sta stations by then. Started off when he first went back uh, after they had sent those first six missionaries that there was only like three missionary stations. And now it has gone, it had gone at this point later in his life, um, in around 1929 or so, um, there's 165 mission sta stations. Um, when he went to Egby again in 1929, there were 111 people baptized in one service. I remember when we had like 19 last year or something like that, but they had 111 in one service. God was just moving and, and using the Sim missionaries and using Roland and his heart for God to, to reach the lost. Roland, um, he goes to Los and gets a, uh, another station there, another city, and gets disappointing news that um, they're not able to go into northern Sudan um, because... Um, Roland feels like there should be a freedom of religion and he's not pleased that, that no one agrees with him. Um, the Tangel province that he had been to 15 years ago um, didn't have a single believer in it, but whenever he comes back, there's 1,500 people attending the church. And, they, and the missionaries there say, we're sorry that not all 1,500 are here. We only have about six to 800 because on Sundays after our morning service, they, the people go into the neighboring cities and neighboring areas and they share the gospel those days. So then we'll only for your conference, for your, for your speaking engagement tonight, we'll only have six to 800. We won't have everybody. Roland was, was amazed at what God was doing. And so he, after he goes to all the mission sta stations, he ends up going to Ethiopia to visit those mission sta stations. And there's so much that he goes through there where he gets stuck in the mud. He, gets, um, he sees when he has to ferry across, he's brought a, a, a vehicle with him. Um, he, they get across, but then the next person that's behind them, they sink into the river. <laughs> Um, so God just provides so many times for Roland, and Roland is just so so faithful in his missionary journey here. Um, I don't feel like I've done enough done him enough service. There's just so much more about him. Um, Mussolini takes over Ethiopia. The Italians take over, um, but ends up being defeated um, by the people of Ethiopia and, and, and the British there and. That, that had a stronghold in that area. Um, Roland has favor with the emperor that's in that area in Ethiopia, and so they're able to spread the gospel more. Um, and then in, in December, December 4th of 1942, when Roland is writing to the missionaries, the Sim missionaries, he um, ends up uh, becoming semi-unconscious, and his, and his wife finds him, um, and... Um, his friends and family come and surround and pray for him, and the doctor sees that he's had a stroke. And he starts getting better, they say, after a couple of days, but then on December 8th, four days after he had the stroke, he ends up passing. Um, but um, Roland uh, is remembered for what he did. All, when the, uh, the book I read, it says, when all the missionaries found out that he had passed, not, not one of them didn't weep for the fact that they loved Roland and his heart for God. Um, I'm going to pray real quick, um, but I just pray that as we've gone through all these missionaries, um, that you are a missionary yourself in your own mission field, that you have a heart for the lost, and that you want to see people um, know Christ. Let's pray.
Father God, I come to you and just thank you so much again just being able to um, just speak about this man, this missionary that um, truly had a passion for, uh, for you and more importantly had a passion for the lost um, to know you, Father. Um, not for himself just to know you, but for the lost to know you, others to know you and to become um, more like Christ, Father. Just pray um, for uh, this church that our heart would be for the lost and that we would want to share the gospel um, no matter what, that we can um, take the examples of all the people that have been spoken about in this series and just see how they affected others and most importantly, how you use them and that you can use us to help and uh, just share the gospel with others. Father, I just pray um, for the service today that um, hearts would be softened, um, that hearts of stone would be made hearts hearts of flesh, um, and that we can just um, know you, Father, and know you more. Amen.